Well, if you have a Bible with you, open it up to John chapter 5 this morning. If you didn't bring one, we'll have the scripture on the screen back here behind me. Uh, as well, if you have your smartphone device, you can just fire it up, turn your Bible on, if you will. And uh, you can open up the YouVersion Bible app. And if you'll just click on more and then events, you'll see Rich Church will be the first thing that pops up there for you. And all of today's scripture, all of today's notes will be in there for you that you can follow along with as well. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, we're so glad that you're with us this morning. Also, so um, I don't know if you've ever had this happen. I'm sure that you have had this happen. I think we've all had this happen uh, to us, but uh, I'll ask the question anyway. But have you ever had just a, a day where you just had something totally unexpected happen to you? Like, I mean, just took you by surprise, kind of maybe threw you off your game a little bit, just absolutely kind of, it's like, wow, I, I didn't really see that coming. I think we've all had that happen in some way, shape, or form. And uh, for me, I mean, it, it's definitely happened before in my life, but it happened recently, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. It was a regular Monday afternoon. I picked the kids up from school, brought them home. They were kind of doing their homework and their chores and just kind of you know, hanging out, doing our regular Monday things, and my wife came home, and she walked in the door, and I was in the kitchen when she walked in the door, and as soon as she walked in, she looked at me, and she said, we have to talk. <laughs> okay. Let's talk. And she said, no, in the bedroom. Oh, no. <laughs> this, does not, this is not going well. I don't know what's about to happen here. And so we go, and I sit down, and we, we sit down, and, and she, she looks at me, and she first, first thing out of her mouth is what she said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> you can clap. That's okay. You can clap. <laughs> I did not clap. I just want to let you know. Uh, but, so she says that. She says it out loud. And so just to give you a little background, just in case you don't know, my wife and I, we've been married for 13 years now. We just celebrated our... 13th wedding anniversary not, uh, last week. Yeah, so thank you for that. Uh, we have two children, uh, one who is nine, about to turn 10 uh, in about a month, and then we have a seven-year-old uh, as well, and just turned seven, and so we've got two kids, and so we've kind of been out of the baby game for a little while. And uh, so we, we've got these, you know, these two older kids, and so all in this moment, my wife says, I'm pregnant, like all of this stuff is like rushing around in my head and about you know, half a second or so, like all of this is just kind of rushing in. And so my response was this, that's awesome. <laughs> well done. Yeah, yeah, I've, had a, I've had a little bit of experience. I was like, that's so good. And, uh, you know, so uh, to be real, I mean, we're excited. We're excited about this. You know, we're really, really excited about it. And so I'm excited. It's going to be a whole lot of fun and interesting. But again, it was one of those things. It did not end up being a regular Monday. It was completely and totally unexpected. It was one of those things that just kind of caught me off guard. I'm sure it definitely caught her off guard as well. I was talking to a friend of mine not too long ago. And we were having this conversation and he said, wow, three kids. I'm shocked, and I said, not as shocked as I am, <laughs> but I appreciate it, right? But sometimes, some things happen, and they're completely and totally unexpected, they catch us off guard, and it just doesn't necessarily go the way that we think it's going to go. And in today's text, in John chapter 5, we're going to sort of see something that in the life of Jesus that he totally expected, because he's God, he kind of knows what's happening anyway, and so it didn't take him off guard, nothing takes him off guard, but as you read this, maybe this is the first time you've ever read this or heard this, and that's totally okay, maybe you've read it before and you've kind of washed over and kind of missed the fact, but what you're going to find in today's text 
is something, at least as I read it and as I go back and, and read this again, I think to myself, wow, that didn't necessarily go the way that I thought it was going to go. And so let me show you what, what I mean here, just kind of give you uh, what's happening. So in John chapter 4, uh, Pastor Wesley, uh, our executive pastor, he was uh, teaching last week, and he sort of finished up John chapter 4 uh, for us last week and talked about how uh, this uh, boy was healed. And, and so Jesus, he, he's kind of been on a tear of ministry at the beginning of John chapter 4. He has this conversation with this Samaritan woman at this well, and it's sort of this back and forth great conversation. And the result of that conversation is that Jesus sort of drops a bomb on her. She's never met Jesus before, but Jesus is like, oh, hey, by the way, the man that you're living with is not your husband, and you've been married a couple of times, and so way I'll do it. Right? And it kind of takes the woman off guard, so they have this sort of back and forth conversation. She leaves, she runs back to the town that she's from, and she goes and she tells everybody there, she says, hey, you've got to come and see this man, Jesus, who told me everything about me. you got to come and see him for yourself. And so it says the town, they went and they saw Jesus, and Jesus stayed with them for a couple of days. And then it says that they, uh, well, many people began following Jesus that day. So they saw, they said, they looked at the woman, they said, we heard you say what you said about Jesus, but we don't believe because we heard what you say anymore. We believe because we see him for ourselves. And then a little later on, Jesus is, this man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you gotta, you gotta come, my, my son, he's sick, he's ill, he, he's gonna die. And just with words, just with words, Jesus says, your son is gonna live. And he does. And he didn't touch him, Jesus didn't go to him, just with, by speaking words. He says, your son's gonna live. He's gonna be well. And so, that's John 4, and then in John 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 1, what we're going to see is that Jesus is going to heal a man, and when he heals this man, instead of this huge celebration and the band coming up and singing Reckless Love of God, like all of that, and everybody cheering and clapping, instead of that happening, which is what should have happened, the church people, they decide to put on their spiritual referee hats and give Jesus a 15-yard penalty for healing a man on the Sabbath. So let's pick it up. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says this. It says, after this, so after this is what we just talked about in John 4. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And I don't know if you know this about Jesus or not, but he's kind of a party guy. Parties show up, Jesus is there. He's kind of hanging out. There's this festival. It's like this big party in Jerusalem. It's going on. We don't know which one it is. We just know it's a festival, so it's a party. Jesus is there, verse 2, it says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who had been there, who had been an invalid for 38 years, or was there, who had been, uh, who had been disabled or invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him this, Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Now, picture in your mind. So there's this place called Bethesda there in Jerusalem, and it's this place that has these five pools. And they weren't very big pools, but they were these 
pools kind of like the size of a hot tub or jacuzzi or something, and they're there, and they've all got these roofs over the top, these colonnades, and so there's separated by columns, there's five of them, and they're, they're covered by these roofs, and around these are all of these people. Some of them are sick, some of them have leprosy, some of them have diseases, some of them can't walk like this man, some of them are blind, but they're all just hanging out there, and there's a reason they're hanging out there. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but there's a man who's there who's been there for 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years. He had not been able to walk. He's disabled. And Jesus makes his way over to this man. And I love what it says. It says this. This is verse 6. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew. If you circle or highlight things in your Bible, that's a great one to highlight. Jesus knew that he had already been there a long time. And the reason why I love this is because it's just a beautiful reminder to you and me that he knows what's going on. Like he knows, he knows what you're dealing with this morning. He knows what's been going on this past week. He knows what decisions you've been struggling with. He knows what hurts that you have within you. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows what's coming this next week. He knows what you're up against. He knows where you hurt. Like he is not unaware of what's happening in your life. Some of us may have come in here this morning and we think to ourselves, but it kind of feels like he's a little distant. He's not. He's right there. Mm -hmm. He's right here with you. He's right there with you. Like he knows what's happening. He knows what's going on. He's not unaware. So it said that Jesus knew. He knows circumstances, situations. And he, listen, he knows what we need before you ever know what you need. So he asked this man a question, such, such a good question, such an important question. He says, do you want to be healed? Now, if it were you and I, think for ourselves for just a moment, you put yourself into his shoes, or maybe you just even think about your current situation, your current circumstance, and Jesus physically walked up to you and said, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? That's an easy answer, and the answer is what? Yes. yes. Right? I don't even have to think about that. Like some of us might go, well, I think we'll go home and pray about that. You don't have to go home and pray about that. The answer is yes. Like it should be yes. This, this man's answer is not yes. In fact, listen to what his answer is. This is what he says. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I don't have anyone to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another one steps down before me. In other words, let me translate this for you. This man goes Debbie down. Like he just, he's just like, do you want to be healed? He's like, oh, man, I want to. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I, no one ever puts me in the water when that water gets stirred up. So what's he talking about? Well, they believe that ever so often, that an angel would come down and stir the water up. And that when the angel would stir the water up, whatever pool it was that the angel stirred up, the first one into the pool would be healed. And this man's response to Jesus was, I, I can never get down in there because there's no ever anybody here that wants to put me down in the water and somebody always beats me to it and so here I am. Right? And I think that as John was writing this down for us, what he really wrote was, this man is dumb. No, I mean, he's <laughs> like, why did he, he's not really dumb, just kidding. 
But why, why, would he, why would he say that? Why would he act this way? Well, truth be told, and I think this is actually true for some of us as well, not everyone, maybe even this man in the moment, he was allowing his circumstance to, um, to get in the way and just so, um, so used to the way that things were going. Not everyone, not everyone wants to be healed or changed. And you might think to yourself, well, that's dumb. Like, why wouldn't, why, why wouldn't you want to be healed or changed? And I'll tell you why. Because it's the same thing that might be true for some of us, is that we're not willing to pay what it's going to cost to go through change. It's going to cost you something to change. It's going to cost me something to change. Even by Jesus speaking, and whether it be healing physically or healing spiritually, it's still going to cost you something to experience change. Some of us aren't willing to pay what it's going to cost to change. We may have to leave something. We may have to walk away from something. We may have to walk away from someone. We may have to walk away from some place. We may have to walk away from some sinful habit that we have that, let's be honest, that we really, really love. Here's, here's why I know this is true. It's because every single week, whether it's myself or Wesley or one of our other teachers that... that that every single week we teach and preach and sometimes we counsel and we sit across the table from others and we say, whether it be through the message or through counseling, we say, here's what the scripture says that you and I need to do to take a next step to change. We'll say, this is your next step. This is my next step. This is what has to happen. This is what we need to lay down at the foot of Jesus. This is what we need to turn away from and turn to Christ in. This is what needs to happen. And then some of us consider it and we go, mm, I don't know, that's going, to cost me. that's going to cost me something. I don't know if I'm willing to pay that. And the reason why I know that is because we don't change. That's not everyone. This is some of us. All the how-to in the world means nothing without the want-to. So what are, you, what are you bringing in here today that's broken? The question is, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? So the man says that no one's there to put me in the water when the angel comes down and stirs the water and no one no one uh, no one is there to do that for me and so this man he he has this belief he, he's put his trust and his hope into something that is false he's, he has this false trust he has this false hope he has this false <coughs> savior and he's saying he's saying I'm, I'm putting all of my trust to be well and all of my trust in to be healed into this uh uh, with this angel coming down and stirring the water and getting in the water to, to, to do this. And, and a lot of us, a lot of us are, are more like this man than maybe we want to admit because we kind of do the same thing sometimes as we have these false hopes. We give ourselves to things that we think will bring us ultimate healing and rest. And that's what, that's what he wanted. He wanted rest. He wanted healing. That's what you and I want. We want rest. We want healing. But sometimes we... we put so much of ourselves into 
something that is false, something that is hope, a false savior, if you will. Thinking that, you know what, if I, if I just do this, then everything will be well. And I'm not talking about like the spiritual things that God calls us to. I'm talking about the things where we just, we just try to manufacture it ourselves. We, we've grown up by the, uh, the belief that if I just pull myself up by my bootstraps and wipe the dust off a little bit, like I'll be all right. Just keep going on, power through it. It's a false hope, it's a false trust, it's a false savior. And this man was putting everything on the same thing. And so like us, like us, Jesus, this is beautiful. Jesus, like Jesus realizes that. He hears the man say, well, you know, I, do you want to be healed? Well, I mean, I would, but, you know, I just the, nobody ever puts me in the water. And, you know, so I don't know. Even though at times we kind of respond the same way, just like Jesus sees this man, just like he sees us, look at what Jesus does despite these things. Jesus said to him, get up and take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Even though this guy had these false hopes and, and he, doesn't, he, he doesn't even know who Jesus is, which is amazing to me because at this point, like the popularity of Jesus is growing. The crowds are getting bigger that he just spoke words not long before this. And this son who had been sick is now well. Like all of these things are happening. Word about Jesus is starting to get around. This guy, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. And so Jesus says, to take up your bed, I want you to get up and I want you to walk. And it says that once he was healed. He was healed. And here's what I love about this. Here's what the all this guy knew was this. He said, you know what? What I've been trying to do for the last 38 years, it ain't been working. That's all I know. And what I've been trying to do isn't working anymore. And this is how, for you and I, this is how faith starts out. It's just one step at a time, and that first step usually comes with a whole lot of uncertainty. That first step is always filled with uncertainty. Some of you are in here this morning, and you're trying to figure out, is this Jesus guy who he really says he is? Is, is, he, this, is he God? Is he Savior? Is he Messiah? And you're trying to figure that out. Maybe you've been trying to figure that, that out for a long time. And there's a whole lot of uncertainty that comes with taking that first step. I would love to stand up here and tell you that, you know what, you don't have to, don't worry about the uncertainty. I can tell you from experience that it's going to be okay. I can tell you that. But you don't know that. There's always uncertainty that's filled with that first step of faith, but yet he tells us, and he says, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And then in a moment it says, at once the man was healed and he took up his bed walked, and in a moment, his life has changed. And so imagine what this man would have been feeling and thinking. He's not been able to walk. He's been disabled for uh, 38 years he's been there, and he's been trying something on his own, and none of that's ever worked. He's been doing that, and all of a sudden, Jesus says, get up and walk, and he gets up and he walks. Like, what would you have done? I've been running, right? 
been skipping and like everything had been awesome. Well, listen to what happens with this guy next. This is sort of where the unexpected part comes in, I think. Look at this. It says, now, that day was the Sabbath. So that's important. The reason why that's important is because it's going to sort of uh, change the trajectory of how things are going to happen here. That day was the Sabbath. So the day of the Sabbath was supposed to be a day of rest. You weren't supposed to, uh, you weren't supposed to do things on the day of the Sabbath. In fact, um, the Sabbath was uh, just something that God had instituted. Like we see that in the Ten Commandments, right? That, that there will be a, a day of rest. We will observe the Sabbath, meaning that, that you and I, just as, as people, we should have times of rest built into our rhythms, built into the way that we do life. That's something that we should all live by for a lot of different reasons, but main reason is because God said that we should. And so the religious leaders, these church people, they said, you know what, God, that's a good idea. I really like your plan with that, but you know what? I don't think you did it right, so let's add a few things to it. Let's change up the rules. <coughs> so what they did is they said, we're going to add a little bit on to what God said. So we're going to make sure that nobody actually does any work on the Sabbath. And so they had these rules that basically said things like this. Like, on the day of the Sabbath, if you walked for longer than a thousand yards, you were breaking God's law. You can only walk a thousand yards. You work, if you walk a thousand and one yards, you broke the law. Not only they would also say things like this. They would say, uh, you can't carry anything. You pick up something like you can wear clothing, that's good enough, but you can't pick up and carry anything. So if I were to carry my Bible, the scriptures around, I would be breaking the law just for carrying this book. The other thing, which is really important for the context of this, is they also said you can't heal anybody. Because <laughs> that's work. Nobody can get healed on the day of the Sabbath. So look at verse 10. It says, so... The Jews, or these religious leaders, said to the man, Hey, um, something's different about you. What is it? Oh, I see. You're walking. You've been healed. It says, You've been healed. It's the Sabbath, by the way, and it's not lawful. Listen, he's, it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. You see what just happened here? The man's been healed. They knew, like, this was not something, like, they know this man, they've seen this man before. It's not as if they've never seen this guy before. They know this man, he, they knew that he couldn't walk. They've seen him every day, all the time. They said, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems as though you've been healed. Not important. Why are you carrying your bed? You see how the... Like, if you're like, man, that sounds really lame. It's because it is. <laughs> Church people have been doing it ever since. He says, so why are, you, why are you carrying your bed? It's not the fact that they had been healed. Like, that should have been, that should have been the focus. That should have been the celebration. That should have been like, I don't, I don't know how it happened. I, I don't know what just went on here, but man, that is awesome. Let's, let's stand up. Let's celebrate that. Let's clap for that. Let's pray for that. That is amazing. Praise Jesus. They're like, no, 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 it's the Sabbath, and you're carrying your bed, and that's breaking the law, so uh, why don't you tell us about that? Verse 11, it says, but he answered them, <laughs> this guy totally rats Jesus out, throws him under the bus. <clears throat> he says, 
The man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. It's his fault. I'm not. Like, you just hear what, what happened here? This man who's not been able to walk for so long is like, uh-uh, you ain't going to pin this on me, Ricky Bobby. It's, it's his fault. It's his, it's his, it's his fault. Go, go tell that man. Or go get that man. And he says, verse 12, it says, they asked him, oh, really? Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, this is why we know that he didn't know that Jesus was Jesus. Verse 13 says, The man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. So a big crowd started showing up, and Jesus was like, I don't really like crowds all that much all the time, so I'm going to get out of here for a little bit. So it's afterward, I love this, this is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Afterward, understand, Jesus healed the man. They asked him, how did this happen? The guy rats Jesus out, throws him under the bus, right? Jesus finds him. Listen to this, verse 14. It says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. I love this. Jesus is like, oh, hey, there's that guy. Obviously, word has gotten around that what had just happened had just happened. And so Jesus sees this guy in the temple, and Jesus walks up to him. And like in my mind, at least this is the way that I picture it, the guy's kind of in the temple doing his thing. Jesus kind of walks up beside him, stands next to him, and he goes, Hey, man, you're well. See, look, you are well. You got, you can walk. You can run. This is so awesome. I love it. Oh, man, this is so cool. Oh, gosh. Hey, uh, by the way, go and sin no more because something worse might happen. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> And he says, he says, see, you're, you're well. It, 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 there's an exclamation point there. It means he's excited. He says, see, you are well. And then he says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Jesus, what Jesus is doing is he is, he's actually telling this man that he needs to confront his sin. By saying that, so that nothing worse happens to you, what he's saying is he's saying, you think being disabled is rough? You think that's bad? Living in eternity apart from me in torment and hell is going to be even worse. You need to confront yourself. It's like, hey, physically, you're well, you're good, you've been healed, that's awesome, but there's something a little deeper that's happening in here and you need to get in front of it. Deal with your sin. Confront your sin. He's having the man do just that. And the same, the same is so true for us that if we want rest, true rest, that only Jesus can bring in healing, we have to deal with our sin on a soul level. We have to deal with our sin on a soul level. This is, this is kind of where the unexpected just kind of continues to get even crazier because instead of these people being excited about this man being healed, what they want to do is they want to kill Jesus for it. Look at 
verse 15. It says, The man went away, and he told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. He just throws him under the bus again. The man leaves, Jesus confronts him, tells him he needs to confront his sin. And it's like, oh, you're Jesus. Okay, that's what I needed to know. And so he runs back to the religious leaders and he says, oh, hey, by the way, the guy that healed me and you know made me break the law of carrying a mat on the Sabbath, that was Jesus. And this, verse 16, this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus, 17, Jesus answered them, my father is working until now. This is such a strong statement for Jesus to say that, because not only was he saying this, he was saying, oh, by the way, just in case you didn't know, I wanted to let you know I'm God. And he's saying, God is, God is my Father. He's saying, well, I am equal with God. In other words, he's saying, I am God. I'm equal with God. That's, that's my daddy. If you, you've got a problem with it, you can take that with trying to say, and the, the, the point that they were trying to make, although it was a really, really bad one, the whole reasoning for wanting to, to kill Jesus in the first place, the religious leaders, they said Jesus is working. It was breaking rest. And what Jesus was saying is, no, 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 what you don't understand is that my working is actually creating rest. This is what it means for Jesus to be the Lord of rest. Lord, even over sickness. There, there is a rest that goes far beyond just a simple day off and chilling out with some Netflix and a nap. There is a rest that goes far beyond that, and Jesus is the one who holds the keys to it. Jesus is the one who holds the keys to it. And so ultimately, this text is leading us to a question that that I'm often asking ourselves here, asking you to wrestle with. I'm wrestling, I wrestle with myself, but it's one that I think that that literally that every single one of us in the room this morning, and what, if you're watching on Facebook, every single one of us has to come to terms with, and that's simply this: is do you believe that Jesus is who He says He is? Do you believe that He is who He says He is? Because listen, if He is who He says He is. If every word in this is true, which, by the way, I believe so, but, but for those of us who are still a little skeptical, if everything in this book, in this story about God, if all of this is true about who Jesus is and he is who he says he is, then it changes everything for you. It changes everything. But if you don't believe that he is, changes everything for you. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Do you believe that he is who he says he is? Do 
Jesus claimed to be God and to have all authority. He would say, say it late, later in Matthew chapter 28, right before he ascends into heaven, he's talking to his disciples and he tells them, when he tells them to go and make disciples, he says, by the way, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That means even over sickness, even over physical ailments. But here's the other thing. If by asking that question, do you believe that he is who he says he is, if the answer is no, it does change everything. But if it's true, then it's true for all of us. And if it's not, then all of this is crazy. I believe it's true. So as we close this morning, let me ask you this question. Are you experiencing the kind of rest in your life that you know that he is who he says he is? Because if you believe that he is who he says he is, if you believe the words of the scripture that, and when Jesus said, I am the Messiah, I am God, I am the one who brings healing, I am the one who brings rest, I am the one who brings salvation, if you believe that is true, then you can experience rest in your life and healing and wellness in your life on a soul level that is unlike anything you've ever experienced before. See, because the healing and the wellness that some of us need is just that, it's soul level. It's, it's not necessarily physically. But here, now let, me, let me say this because I think this is important too. I believe that he still heals physically. I know that he does. I've seen it. You've seen it. Maybe some of you have even experienced it. I believe that with all of my heart. And here's what else I also believe. You think to yourself, yeah, but Jesus, like he's not physically right, right here, maybe like right in front of us and going to touch me and heal me. Maybe not. But he doesn't have to be. Because the power in his words as he speaks is. In Genesis chapter 1, we see where it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And that when he spoke and he said, let there be light, the scriptures say that there was light. I don't know if you picked up on this or not or realized this or not, but the words that he spoke when he said, let there be light, is still creating life in this world even now. You may not be able to see it with your own eyes. It may be far beyond our universe. But God is still swirling gases and masses together to create stars in the world. Because he said, let there be light. So the words are powerful. Not only can he heal physically, but he can heal spiritually. Are you tired? Is your soul tired? Do you have, do you have bags under the eyes of your soul this morning? What did this man have to do for healing to take place? 
he had to admit that the trust and the hopes and the saviors that he had were false. Which is the same thing that we have to do. But to admit that what we've been doing, what we've been trying, isn't working. But I know what does work. If you look around this room, there are people in this room, they know what works as well. Because they did that thing where what they were trying to do wasn't working. Every relationship wasn't working. Every self-help book wasn't working. Every new plan wasn't working. The one thing that does work is that when we admit to God
God, that through the power of your presence, God, that sickness would flee from their body. Christ, the blood of Christ, what Jesus has done.